0: Every year I get the privilege to speak at a particular camp. I've been to quite a few camps over the years. But uh, Camp Berea, anybody familiar with Camp Berea? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you'd know Camp Berea, wouldn't you? Of course. Worked there all summer, huh? Um, Ira Hall, who directs the camp, he, uh, he has this habit of cranking the kids up at the beginning of chapel with the music. He just cranks them. I mean, these guys are jumping all over the place doing you know, motion songs and all kinds of stuff. And then he brings them down very slowly. Well, this one time, this was years back, I was speaking in the chapel at, that morning, and I got him up and got him moving. And afterwards, Iris said, look, he said, the whole idea is to have them calm for when you preach. I said, okay. So I learned my lesson not to, to wind them up too much. But you guys are going to... This is, this is going to be for, what, the, the smaller kids coming on campus? The younger ones. Yeah, this is in college for a day type of thing, yeah. Well, you know, look, I've been around MBBI a long time. I'm seeing it change, you know. It's happening. It's good. I like it. We're going to see some more changes when we talk about what Crossworld's doing. I do have a display. As usual, I try to push some of the, the literature that's there. I'm uh, going to be talking about this in some detail this morning in chapel because I really need to let you guys know where we're headed as a mission. We're finally getting a handle on some of the changes that we're actually making. Our slogan as you can see, is there's a better way. So pick that up, please, if you would. We're talking about all kinds of things, such as vocational ministries, apprenticeships, education, and so on. There's some actual flyers up there you can read about different things. This one says, The Race Against False Theology. These are fun to read. I I like seeing these come out. And then uh, there's a a request uh, information form here that you can pick up if you've got any questions about the mission and where they work or where we work and what we're doing. But also, too, if you look on my display, and guys, gals, i got to tell you, I am technologically resistant. There is a little funny little symbol down in the right-hand corner of my display. You know what it is? Do you? No? What is it? Yeah, a little phone app or whatever they call it, right? Yeah, Yeah. You guys know how to use that. I wouldn't have a clue. In fact, I got hammered up in the classroom there because I couldn't get the thing to work. The computer. So we're gonna, you know, hit that, take a look at it, you'll be able to see what Crossworld's is doing around the world and how they're doing it. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. The face of our mission is changing. Originally, we were unevangelized fields mission called UFM International. We began in 1931 by sending our first missionaries to the Congo and Brazil. One of our we have a lot of stories to tell and I'm not gonna try to tell those stories this morning, but in nineteen fifty five we had a major breakthrough in Brazil when one of the local chiefs, a witch doctor actually, came to Christ, and through him we began to see tribe after tribe and village after village under our ministry start to come to Christ. And it was a tremendous experience. In fact we have a video, but I'm not gonna show that today. We have a video on, on his personal testimony. Years later, in the Symbanese uprising of 1964, we lost 19 missionaries uh, in the Congo. I know that's not a great advert for, um, for missions. But you know, our pastor at Hudson, Jim Davis, has been preaching on suffering for the cause of Christ. you ever suffered for the cause of Christ? You haven't, have you? I'm worried about that. What is it? That all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Something's wrong in Canada and the United States. We got it too easy. We lost 19 missionaries in that, but you know something happened through that. The church was, after that was well established in the Congo. In fact, it's the only stable thing in Congo to this day. This whole country still in, in an upheaval. In 1982, we made national headlines on the cover of Time magazine. Actually, magazine probably ought to be, eh, I guess that's okay in lowercase. When thousands of Dani people accepted Christ in a miraculous miraculous movement of God in New Guinea, in Papua Indonesia, Papua Indonesia. If you don't understand Dani culture, and that's what I'm teaching about uh, culture with Jack Karen's class, if you don't understand culture, you probably can't appreciate what just happened in that particular movement. The Dani's do everything as a group. And when the gospel was presented to the Donnies, there's a book out that UFM publishes on this, you can read the whole story for yourself. When the Donnies uh, elders heard the gospel message, they sat down as leadership and they said, you know what, we need to consider this. Then they talked to their people. And when it came time for people to receive Christ, it was tribe after tribe after tribe together doing because they all understood the message. Now, how many of them are genuine? I'm not exactly sure. But I'll tell you one thing, the fruits of... That, if you want to call it revival, the fruits of that evangelistic crusade are even being seen today because the Donnies are still taking, in large numbers, the gospel to their people. It's incredible. We changed our name in 2004 to reflect the goal of taking the message of the cross to the entire world. By 2010, we had nearly 350 international staff members, missionaries, around the globe. Churches planted by our missionaries are now involved in cross-cultural missions themselves, and you can see the list here again. We're even sending Haitians to Senegal. That works. In 2011, CrossWorld celebrated its 80th anniversary in response to a rapidly changing world, and with the conviction that there's a better way to do missions, we recalibrated our direction and made four critical changes. From making converts who fill the church to making disciple-makers who will be the church. This is kind of my platform. I'm still angry about this in my own life. Nobody, when I got saved, discipled me. And I struggled for years as a Christian. And I want to suggest to you that now you're here at MBBI, this is your best chance to grow. Because in a lot of churches, they're not going to disciple you. You want to know why the church is an inch deep in North America? That's the biggest problem we've got. We are not good disciplers. And we're looking for people in Crossworld who are. We're moving from, and there's a fine line on this, but it's a proclamational approach to an incarnation. I'll get back to that in just a few minutes. From an anywhere focus to the least reached marketplaces in the world. We can send you to places where there are no churches, where the gospel is only being preached by a handful of people. There's so many places where we could be putting people We're focusing more resources on the least reached urban areas, and watch this, from sending only religious professionals to deploying disciple makers from all professions. I'm going to say more about that in just a few minutes. And so today, CrossWorld invites others to join us in the pursuit of a better way, not only to do missions, but to do life as Jesus intended to the full. So why do we say there's a better way? Well, our mission isn't the better way. We're experimenting with it. We're learning how to do it. And we're not claim to have it all figured out, but we believe there's a better way and we're committed to discovering it and using it. The face of missions is changing. The face of MBBI is changing. John, did you see electric guitars up here when you were a student? Did you? You don't remember, you're so old, right? <laughs> not my school. 2,000 years of missions history is full of changes. Missions is always evolving, but change is happening more rapidly and dramatically in our time than any other time in the past. Now watch what's going on here. The world's a vastly different place than it was even a few years ago because of the migration of nationals to other countries. You know in Portland, Maine, I've said this right from this pulpit over the years a number of times. In Portland, Maine, there are at least 80 different ethnic groups. You can't walk into a store with not knowing and really understand what's going on around you sometimes because all you hear are these other languages. I walked into a... Um, I get down to Portland a number of times for ministry over every year. I walked into a 7-Eleven. I expect 7-Eleven. I can understand what's going on. The guy was jabbering away behind the counter in some language. I couldn't even tell you what the language was. These nationals are coming to our countries. We've got a rise of a global missionary force. <laughs> I chuckle on that one because I can remember even 20 years ago saying to pastors, and I was new to the representation ministry at that point, but I'd been doing a lot of reading. And I said to some of the pastors, I said, you know what? I said, someday, and it won't be that far down the road, there'll be missionaries from Korea and from Africa coming to the United States to preach the gospel. I got a strange reaction to that. You know what? It's happening. In 2005, I was part of a much bigger project. I took a team of 14. Actually, one of your students was on that trip with me to Kosovo. There were 46 all total on the team. We combined some teams together. Anita Sparling, who's been here a number of years back with me, she was one of the team leaders on, on that project. She brought a team from, from Canada. There were 46 of us. One third of that force that we used to take the gospel to those Muslim people were Koreans. Koreans. The rapid growth of urban populations. The the rural people are coming into the cities in mass. The development of a global economy. And yeah, here it is right here. The explosion of technology has shrunk our world. Some days I feel like exploding with it when the computer goes down. But watch this. This is the one that I think all of us should be the most concerned about the restriction on religious activities in many countries. Students, it's already happening. I don't need to be a prophet in any way, shape, or form to to make this work at all, you know? But I'm predicting, we're seeing it every year, I'm predicting sometime in the next 30 to 40 years maximum, you will not be able to send traditional missionaries in almost every country in the world. It's going to happen. Every year, either a region or a country closes its doors to the traditional model. In 1983, I went to the New Zealand consulate in New York City, and I walked in the door, I had my passport, and I had my forms, and I handed them over to the agent there, and she got me somebody else, and, and there was another agent, and so the agent sat down with me, and she said, well, Mr. Straub, she said, I don't really know what's going on here, she said, but I hate to tell you, she said, we do not give permanent resident papers to missionaries to work in New Zealand. This is after three and a half years of getting ready. Not Bible college, pre field ministry. That's a shocker. And they're still holding to that policy today. You say, well, how'd you get to New Zealand? I got my paperwork. Because he's bigger than those that are in the world. But those doors are closing. We had a number of missionaries who could only come in for two years to work with us there. It's going to happen. And as these changes and more continue at an unprecedented speed, we must continually seek a better way to reach the world today. There is a better way, and it is a conviction that the Western church and missionary endeavor must rediscover the explosive power of Jesus' incarnational disciple-making mandate to all believers. Western Christianity succeeded in making converts to fill the church, but Jesus calls us to a better way, to make disciple-makers. You know, if you've been discipled, but you're not a disciple-maker, the whole program failed. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. And there's a better way, and this is how we're going to do it. We're engaging all professions now. Being incarnational in our outreach, what that means is we're going to to, to, uh, where people live life, and we seek to communicate God's truth in the context of life-on-life relationships. We seek to offer them the opportunity to live life the way Jesus intended, abundantly. It is more than just simply living where they live, but working where they work. We want to send a whole new wave of missionaries into the workforces of these countries. You can call it tent making if you like, but we're going a little further than just standard old tent making. We want to put our missionaries right into the factories, right into the stores. We want these people to work with these people and bring the gospel message to them so that they can come to know Christ as Savior and be um, discipled. I don't know what you think of Mother Teresa. I don't particularly care for her theology, but I'll give her one thing. She was definitely incarnational. That lady moved, as we talked about in the the culture class that I taught this morning, that lady moved in among the untouchables of India when nobody else wanted them and nobody else cared if they lived or died, and she hugged them and she kissed them and she loved them. She was right on the ground with them. That's what we're trying to do. By the way, does that not look like a young Jack Karen? It's not. Sorry, Jack, I know you can hear me. So, <laughs> Our dream is to engage disciple makers from all professions by bringing God's love in the world's least reached marketplaces. We seek others to be part of that dream to help us make it happen. Putting it in perspective, Bob Simrack is one of our financial directors. He said, it occurred to me that we do not need to and should not create the impression we have jobs for all professions. Although... From what I've been seeing on the world scene, that's quite possible. You know, I saw a ministry that uses rock climbing. Think about that. Anybody here doing any rock climbing? Have you done it? Yeah, i played with it. I'm not real good at it. I'd probably get myself killed doing it. What has changed is we do not require a seminary education. We require a Holy Spirit education. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking education. Get all you can. You're going to need it. But it's not the only focus we have nowadays. We want to know in Crossworld, and we've been doing this now for probably 10 years, we want to know what you know and how well you handle the Word of God. We've got people in our mission who have never been to Bible college, and they're helping to disciple people. We're not looking for people, who are looking for Christian jobs. We're looking for people who seek an opportunity to be cross-cultural witness, disciple-makers for Christ. We are looking for people who have the right stuff and will do all that we can to help them to find the best fit, whatever their profession Dale Loesch, who is our president, he's actually a Canadian. Huh? Good stuff, huh? Yeah. The biblical mandate is disciple-making, not church planting. The boundary of church planting has sometimes prevented us from unleashing the power of real disciple-making. I'm going to confess something to you right now. Right now. I worked in New Zealand for eight years, banged my head on the wall. I was doing 80 hours a week for years. Finally, one of your graduates came to help me full time. He said to me, he says, you can't go on doing what you're doing. I said, that's why you're here to take some of this workload. We had a standard model in New Zealand that we used. And I'm here to tell you that while, yeah, it works, it doesn't work that well. And it took me two years after I got home to figure out what was wrong. And I told my wife, I said, if God ever graces us to go back to that country to serve him again, I said, I am not going back to plant a church. Now, if I arrived in New Zealand and stood up in front of the the, the independent fundamental churches in New Zealand and said that, there'd be a gasp. I'd be going back to make disciples and let them build the church through Christ. Do you know in New Zealand you can't really find people who really want to pastor those churches? You can't find men who want to lead it. It's a problem down there. It's because they're not discipled. Disciple making does not result in a community of believers. That does not result in a community of believers. is like a cell multiplication of a fertilized ovum that does not result in the development of a human being. Cells multiply to create new human beings. Or being in this case. And disciples multiply to create a new community of faith. But here's the thing. You don't start with the body. You start by multiplying healthy cells. we got a lot of unhealthy cells in our churches. See? Technology. Getting the job done. I don't have time. I'm running out of time here. Um, While the spreading of the gospel is our work, the conversion of a soul is the exclusive work of the Holy Spirit. You know that. It's the work of all followers of Jesus Christ to make disciples. It's the work of Jesus Christ that he will build the church. You know that. So what are CrossWorld's options for a better way? I'm going to hit these really quick. We do exposure teams. So trips up to four weeks. Who should go? Anyone interested in exposure to cross-cultural life and ministry? How many have been on short-term teams before? What'd you learn from it? Did you get anything out of it? If you didn't, something was wrong with the team leaders. Yeah. Listen. If you want to know what missions is really like, even if you're not going into missions, you think, try a short-term team. Some of you in the junior class remember the guinea pig, the kui that we showed you that we eat. Some of you might like kui. Some of you may not, but there's only one way to find out. Try it. I saw an Indian guy one time get sugar for the first time. Put that thing in his mouth and was like, he liked it. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) You can read all this, by the way, on the web, so I'm not going to bother reading all this. But we can get you on the fields for up to four weeks. We have a program called Observation, shadowing for four to 12 weeks. This is not a team mentality necessarily, although a couple of you could go or maybe even three. But for that period of time, you shadow a missionary and see what they're doing and actually take part in it big time. This is an opportunity for you to really get a taste of what missions is is really all about. You'll discover a new culture, gain firsthand experience with the ins and outs of missionary life. You'll be challenged to consider your individual role in cross-cultural ministry. Then we have immersion. I think this guy's drowning, actually. I know the truth. Anyone interested in applying their skills and interest to gain experience in making cross-cultural disciples, uh, making disciples cross-cultural, such as academic internships, are, are available. You will work with Cross Worlds Mobilization Department to determine dates, location, ministry, and so on, but you'll work at a slower pace. You know, when I hit the ground, I'm going to be in Uruguay in just a couple of weeks working with Jim Carter, one of your grads. When I hit the ground, I hit it running with the team. I mean, we just, phew, we're out of gas by the end of those two weeks. We're tired. But this is going to be a slower pace. Give you time to reflect on what you're seeing going on around you. Give you an opportunity to experience what it's like to actually work in missions. And it's a long period of time, but it's more than worth it. And we have people now who are actually doing this. We have engagement, one to two years. Who should go? Anyone committed to cross-cultural ministry, but perhaps not in a long-term capacity. You'll be working once again with the mobilization department, me maybe in particular. But on location, you'll join the ministry of an existing cross-world team using your skills and interest in a specific role or project while in the country. You'll be fully engaged in cross-cultural discipleship making, often one-on-one. Boy, well, that, you, You're going to learn. If you do that, you will learn. That's the greatest teacher you can have, experience. Apprenticeship, that's another thing we're working with. This is a program where it's, it, it's nothing new, really, in a sense, but... What we do is we put you in a place where yes, your skills can be used, and some of you have skills that we can use. Some of you are going to be trained in skills down the road that we can use. Talked to a young lady at the table last night; it's going into, into nursing. Some of you'll be teachers. Some of you'll be professional workers. Some of you don't know how to fix engines. We can use all this. We're looking for college grads and young professionals. We want flexible, adventurous people. Anybody knows me—that that's me. I'm flexible and adventurous. I like. Anything that's new and terrifying, I guess. Self-starters, excited about jumping into a new setting and getting involved. And then, of course, we've got the career and the long term and so on, and we can talk about that at another time. Crossword is looking for groundbreakers, business developers, profession-based disciple makers, ministry team leaders. We are not throwing away the old model of church planters. We'll still use that. Vocation, cross-cultural workers, and godly business and professional partners. Some of you are going out into the workforce. You will learn skills. We want to hear from you. Do not forget cross-world. All right, let me wrap this up with this. Question to challenge your image of missions. Is the missionary question about the 1040 window? You know what that is, right? Say, yeah, I can read it. The 1040 window is a term coined in 19... 90 by Lewis Bush, a Christian mission strategist to refer to those regions of the Eastern hemisphere plus the European and African part of the Western hemisphere located between 10 and 40 degrees north of the equator. The general area that in 1990 was purported to have the highest level of social economic challenges and the least access to the Christian message and Christian resources on the planet. The 1040 window concept highlights these three elements, an area with the world's greatest poverty and low quality of life, and the lack of access to Christian resources. You can read the rest, but notice this. It's filled with Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, animists, Jewish, and even atheists. And many governments, we're back to this again, in the 1040 window, are formally or informally opposed to Christian work of any kind within their borders, but they will let professionals in. That's the wave of the future right there. So CrossWorld says this. What's it really about? We're going to suggest to you it's about the 925 window. You say, what is that? It's the 9 to 5. Right in the workplace. And this 925 window is the one in which the vast majority of the church has access every day. How many of you had summer jobs? You were in the 925 window. Did you witness? Did you? Some of you go, no, I never said a word all summer. Some of you said, yeah. I did. Wherever I go, when I get opportunities, I seek to challenge people with the message of Christ. I got a lady right now I'm talking to every Friday morning at the town office. Every Friday morning I talk to her. We're out there, folks. And this is God's given opportunity daily to share the message of Christ. And it's through this window that we can enter almost any country we want to enter. I'm going to jump over that. So, my question this morning is this what do you bring to the table? (coughs) What do you bring? You say, I'm a college student. I'm 18, 19 years old. I don't have any skills. You'd be surprised. But I'm still mindful of the fact that someday you will go out into the workforce, and when you do, you'll learn skills. I tried to do this back in in 1970-whatever. My my background is in printing, you know? Mostly darkroom work, uh, what they call stripping, plate-making, darkroom, that type of thing, camera work. I did some freelance photography. It was a natural for me to think about that. I thought that's where I was headed in, in Christian missions. Now, God used that in New Zealand, but not full time. But still, he used it. So my question this morning is, what is it that you bring to the table? Come talk to me at my table up there in, in, in the foyer. So what does this mean to you? Well, Jesus left us with a great commission. You're familiar with the passage, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Notice the go-ye of this text assumes that you're going. You are going. That's not even an argument. You're going. You're going to be out there in the world. You're going to be journeying through life. You're going. But while you're going, your job is to make disciples. And that gives you this opportunity as you're in the world's marketplaces to obey this great commission. Your profession can open doors that standard missionary models cannot. So my question this morning is this. Why not use it? for the glory of God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, this morning I pray that you will fire up these students for the least reached places in the world. Father, I looked at the website just 2 days ago before as I was preparing this PowerPoint before I left to come up here. And if my count is right, we have over 100 professions that we are seeking to find people who know how to use the word of God, but also understand what it is that they do for a living, can open doors that we can't open in the standard way. Father, we're doing this in dozens of countries, but we need workers. I pray you'll take these kids to the website. Let them take a look at what we're doing, where we're doing it, and how we're doing it. Let them read the stories of success and people coming to Christ. And, and yes, even churches being planted, but it's about the disciple-making first and foremost. And I pray for every one of these students as they sit under the, the teachers that they have here, men and women of God who teach them things about life and about the, the scriptures. That, Father, these students would grow and be powerful forces for you in sharing the message of Christ. Lord, call them. They are already called. That's, that's really not the issue. But help them to be obedient to this calling. And Father, use them in ways that they never dreamt possible. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.